As part of the School of Diplomacy's World Leaders Forum, Seen Hall University hosted Ambassador Chaba Kuroshi, the president of the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly on January 26th. Ambassador Kuroshi is a career diplomat and leading voice on the climate crisis and was sworn in as president of the UN General Assembly on September 13, 2002. As presiding officer of the UN's main policymaking forum, Ambassador Kuroshi continues the Assembly's work promoting global recovery from the pandemic, addressing climate change, striving to meet the 17 UN Development Goals for 2030. And today, we will cover and unpack the World Leaders' Forums in a special episode. From Seen Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Drew Starbuck. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Our first analyst today is Ashley Sklodany. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Drew. I'm happy to be back on the show. Thank you for coming back. And also with us today as an analyst is Kasha Kostrava. Hi, Kasha. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back to the show. All right, guys, I want to start with just a general introduction and to the event and ask you both, what do you think of the event and any post impressions initially? I'll come to you first, Ashley. Okay, so speaking of the event in general, I was personally overall impressed by both the fact that we had this opportunity to interact and speak with the president of the UNGA, as well as by how the school diplomacy organized and handled the event. I think it was such a great experience as personally a diplomacy and international relations major. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to speak one-on-one with the president of the UNGA. I was fortunate enough to be able to ask him a question during the press conference aspect of the event. And I was able to get his personal thoughts, which was really exciting, personally, as a freshman, to have this opportunity to interact with such a high-profile visitor. It's definitely not something I thought I'd be doing when I came to this school initially. And I think the school did a good job of organizing the event so that it was really student-focused. And by that, I mean there were numerous opportunities for both undergrad and grad students to get involved, like working with VIP guests and whatnot as a student ambassador. So from the event, I kind of got the message that, you know, the deans of the school, especially Dean Halpin, because we worked directly with her, they all worked really hard on this event and they cared about um, the students. And they really wanted us to network and sort of apply um, the skills we we learn in the classroom uh, to the real world. So I think it was overall a really great opportunity and I was impressed. And just to clarify for our listeners, Ashley, when you mean UNGA, you mean the United Nations General Assembly. Yes. 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 Okay. So using that acronym, that's referencing the main policymaking forum for the United Nations. What were your thoughts, Kasha? Um, I agree with a lot of what Ashley had to say. It's an honor to go to a school that provides opportunities such as the World Leaders Forums. Um, in the past year, we've had very memorable guests. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield. Um, last year's commencement speaker was Antonio Gutierrez, who's the Secretary General of the U.N., and now Ambassador Kuroshi. So the I think the event itself was very sobering with the topics that the ambassador addressed, such as climate change. But a lot of the stuff was stuff that youth and a lot of people within the School of Diplomacy, as well as the community, such as the faculty, and anyone else invited to attend the event is it is things that we want to hear addressed more mainstream and i do think that the ambassador provided a really sobering but intellectual and overall well put together speech and you mentioned the event being sobering in a way kasha and it seems like the introduction by dean smith for ambassador kuroshi 
painted a very stark picture of the great responsibility and burden that is placed on his shoulders being the president of the General Assembly for the 77th session. Um, so I'd like to get into that of what did Dean Smith say and how did he and Ambassador Kuroshi himself portray the responsibilities of the position that he holds as president of the UNGA? Dean Smith very starkly addressed that the UNGA being the president is a very tough responsibility. The General Assembly is unique in that it's the only international governing body that has a universal membership and can take on any issue that presses the world. And there's also 193 members every country in the world. So the UNG president is often shepherding these negotiations. As Dean Smith said, he is the leader of everything that's happening. Every country in there has different interests different self-interests, different people they're allying with, and it's very chaotic. And he is one of the main, the main person who is guiding these negotiations. So it is a very tough responsibility on his shoulders. Yeah, piggybacking off of what Kasha said, Dean Smith definitely did a good job giving a broad overview of the responsibility that uh, that Ambassador Kroshi has as president. And I even had the opportunity to personally ask him a question in regards to the difficulties he has with this leadership position. And he basically gave a very similar response to the summary that Dean Smith presented, basically saying that, you know, he's at the center of this. He has to balance 193 countries constantly at divide with each other in the midst of various ongoing crises internationally. And something about Dean Smith's introdu introduction that I really liked as well was the fact that he tried to relate the position of Ambassador Kuroshi back to our School of Diplomacy, saying that the president's goal of peacemaking reflects with the university's attempt to foster social justice in our students through a mission of servant leadership. I think it further highlights how student-focused the event was. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, Ashley. Uh, and I'd like to g dive deeper into that and think, what were your initial thoughts on that assessment? I think I'll come to you first, Ashley, since mm -hmm. Kasha led us off to start with. What yeah. did you think? I thought that Dean Smith's assessment of the position was definitely a fair one on the burdens that he has as a leading voice of the assembly because he has to be in the midst of all these, you know, divided nations. And it's a lot of pressure and you have to try to take a non-biased stance and satisfy everyone, which is obviously virtually impossible because everyone has their own separate interests. So you definitely have to be good at balancing all of that being confident in your ideas because you don't want to be talked over or appear naive. It's definitely a really nerve-wracking position that requires a lot of different skills, ranging from diplomacy and the ability to command a room. And I definitely thought after the event that Ambassador Kroshi, you know, delivered and he had that ability to command a room with confidence and with a sense of genuity as well. And you mentioned the non-pious part, Ashley, of Ambassador Kuroshi is Hungarian. Mm -hmm. And he also talked about, I think, in the speech about he had to renounce any vows of loyalty to mm -hmm. his country or like being partial to them anyway to be able to hold his position as president. Because as you said, it's very non-biased stance mm -hmm. and he has to balance the interests of all 193 nations in the world today. Do you have anything to add on to that, Kasha? With Dean Smith's introduction, I do have to agree with what Ashley said about, I do think it was a very good introduction. And again, when you're introducing someone with such a high profile, you only have a few minutes to do it. I think that Dean Smith did a really good job in painting a picture of what the burden is because a typical person can't imagine, again, taking the stance to be the one to facilitate negotiations between representatives of 193 countries 
that's something a lot of everyday people can't do. And with the four or five minutes that Dean Smith was given to introduce Ambassador Kuroshi, he did a really good job in painting this picture, I think. I want to dive into the man himself a little bit more, Ambassador Kuroshi, because we did get to hear him speak for a period of time. But there's further that goes on with him beyond just his role as president of the UN General Assembly, as in he's often regarded as a leading voice on the climate crisis. Uh, And I will turn back to you first, Kasha. And as a leading voice on the climate crisis or regarded as one, do you think he effectively covered the topic in his address? I do think that he did. It's something that he came back to constantly throughout the hour that he was talking about. He talked about five big issues that plague the world. And every issue he came back to something with the climate crisis or another crisis that was caused by the climate crisis. And he has years and years of experience working within his own country and also in the UN on climate issues. And you can really tell when you're listening to him. It's something that's always on the top of his mind. And personally, that is something that I really did enjoy because I do think it's one of the top issues plaguing people today, especially youth our age and the audience. He knew the audience he was addressing, but he also put his own touch on it by being very passionate about the topic of the environmental crisis. Yeah, agreeing with what Kasha said, I think he definitely did a good job on kind of giving this message of a call for action um, in regards to climate change. And even I know he was introduced by Hungarian Ambassador Laszlo and he spoke on behalf of Kuroshi, some of his previous, previous experience, such as being the Director of Environmental Sustainability in the former office of the President of Hungary. And so he had to work with a lot of high profile individuals while doing that, and he, you know, tackled issues such as like water shortages and obviously climate in relation to Hungary. So I thought that was definitely interesting, and you could see his passion for the subject all throughout the lecture. But also something important Ambassador Laszlo said was that Kuroshi welcomes constructive ideas. Um, and personally, I did think he covered a broad amount of topics in his address in relation to the seriousness of climate of the climate issue, and he definitely had the audience's attention. One specific fact that he brought up was that we are on the path to a 2.6 Celsius global surface temperature, which would cause 250,000 additional deaths per year between 2030 and 2050. So with these facts he's using, you know, he's definitely, you know, emphasizing the point of the lecture, which is a call for action. But honestly, I wish I heard more about what he specifically is doing personally as president of the General Assembly to deliver solutions to these crises. I thought it was all very broad kind of what he covered. And I know we didn't have a huge amount of time to hear from him, you know, only an hour allotted, but I'm really fascinated in policy um, and policy making and such. And I wish there was more of a distinct outline sort of of the direct approach he wanted to impose or share with the assembly or even past initiatives he has tried to work on in his prior leadership roles, which I think would have been really fascinating to explore. Because at that point, at this point, a majority of the attendees were people who were already, generally speaking, aware of these issues. So I think sort of hearing more of what he did himself to fight or advocate for this cause would have been a bit more interesting for people studying and hoping to go into this field of policy and policymaking. I do think you're right, Ashley, in that a lot of what he summarized, as in going back to, he provided a general summary of the different actions that he's taking in the different global crises and challenges, and also his assessment on where the General Assembly was at in trying to solve the 17 or meet the 17 UN development goals by 2030. But like I think he kind of said that what he wanted to enact during his tenure was a transformation in leadership and to be able to enact that transformation in leadership you need to be specific in what you're trying to accomplish. 
maybe this is not the forum he would try try and address that the most things, but it would have been interesting to see him go into more specifics. So that brings us kind of to the address itself. Um, there are many different crises affecting international affairs on a global scale that the ambassador honed in on. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys on like, what are some major issues that he talked about? Do you think he communicated these issues effectively and which of these issues stood out to you the most? I think I'll start with you, Ashley. All right, yeah, he gave a general overview. Um, I know he touched upon the war in Ukraine a lot, as well as like armed conflict in general. He said that there were 27 armed conflicts going on as of right now globally. Then he touched upon topics such as the food crisis, mentioning that there's 345 million people in this world who are currently threatened um, with food insecurity. Uh, he briefly mentioned the energy crises in result of the war in Ukraine because electricity and gas prices have jumped. He also mentioned the debt crisis and global inflation, which is causing a lot of countries to be on the verge of bankruptcy, as well as obviously, which we have talked about um, previously, the climate action, which is something he really honed in on specifically talking about, you know, referencing the great acceleration, um, bringing up droughts, surface temperatures and all of that, and even displacement happen happening directly because of climate change. And I think he specifically chose these specific issues because they're all sort of in a way interconnected or directly related. And virtually the war in Ukraine has affected every single one of these topics. Though Kuroshi did say that a, um, a positive in regards to the energy crisis is that because of the war causing a jump in prices, there has been greater investment into cleaner energy, which then impacts our climate in a positive way. Kind of just reiterating all these issues are connected and important, obviously, on a global scale. Do you have anything to add to that, Kasha? Yeah. I had a lot of the same things taken down. He also talked about public health in relation to COVID-19 and how that has infected inflation in the economy. Again, he did mention the war in Ukraine. He mentioned hunger and food shortages, the energy crisis, which those are all tied in with not only the war, but they're also tied in with the climate crisis that he is obviously very passionate about. Um, and he talks about this new chapter in history that's kind of characterized by a permanent and interconnected crisis. As we can see, Ashley mentioned all these things that he worked into his speech, they play off of each other in all these different ways. And you can see this. He talks about this new chapter in history characterized by the interconnected crisis, a weakness of global governance, growing geopolitical divide, weakening of crisis management. And you can see these all... I mean, anyone who's in the School of Diplomacy has probably heard about the war in Ukraine millions of times just in their classes. And this is something that you can, I think it's interesting how he talked about this as a new chapter, because when you take a history class or a diplomacy class, you always hear there's been wars throughout history and there's been crises throughout history. But with this new, like how he phrased it, this new technological age that we're in, where we're all connected not just by economics, but by social media, the internet. These issues that we're facing, the war, the energy crisis, environmental crisis, they are all more exasperated by how we are able to access information, how we're able to communicate, how we're able to protest or get our ideas. Even things like this podcast are things that characterize a new chapter. And I think that was one thing that I was very intrigued that he talked about just like how he phrased our era of history with all these crises. I think you raise good points, Kasha, of like the interconnectivity that he kind of stressed over and over again of how it's important that we solve all these global challenges together and 
as soon as possible because they will only continue to pile up if we do not solve them in an effective time. Is there any other major issues that you both thought he did not touch upon in his address? Two things that I think that could have been talked about more, and I do think that they would have connected in with his talk about the inflation environment. I think he could have talked more about there's a global housing crisis. And also, I think he could have talked a little bit more in depth the energy crisis, especially in Europe's causing kind of a cost of living crisis that has been very prevalent in European elections within the recent year, especially uh, with the war in Ukraine. And both of those things kind of go back to environmental issues, inflation, stuff like that. So I think that he could have mentioned that a little bit more. Um, That's just something I personally thought. Yeah, I agree with Kasha. He definitely could have touched upon those issues more. Um, And I also was kind of upset that he didn't touch upon the issue of like human rights more especially with like religious nationalism on the rise in various countries not only in the u.s but in countries such as india where muslim populations are especially targeted and i felt like maybe there was a bit of hesitancy or even fear and so we sort of danced around the topic of human rights by briefly mentioning gender discrimination but as an audience of students attending a school in the united states he failed to mention issues such as like homophobia or religious or racial discrimination and such and i think it's because those are big ongoing issues a lot of us are even trying to grapple with right now. And though it's certainly not controversial in my eyes, to some of the older generation, they don't see a huge issues uh, with these things as much. And I think he was trying not to displease any administration, honestly, or anything considering we are a Catholic school. So I feel like he didn't really mention those issues despite them being so pressing to us, especially since they're so pervasive in the US. And it's kind of upsetting because he's the lead voice of the UN and as much as preserving balance is important, you have to be able to make those controversial remarks, in my opinion, in favor of progression, or essentially, you know, we'll get nowhere. And I know I'm probably being nitpicky and stuff, but I feel like I can speak for a lot of us when I say these are pretty important topics to us as students studying diplomacy and international relations. I agree. One thing that he did also place particular emphasis on, um, besides trying to maintain a balance and put the focus on the future, Ambassador Kuroshi placed a great emphasis on approaching global problems scientifically and working towards a sustainable solutions based on his motto. I just want to get your both reaction to that. I'll come to you first, Kasha, on how did you view his approach to like working towards sustainability and always like seeking a scientific approach to problem solving? I mean, personally, I'm always on the side of science and I do think that having a lead voice in diplomacy emphasizing the importance of science is important. He talked about creating a sustainability-based transformation mechanism within the UN to base policy off of. And he also addressed that we live in a world based off of rule of law, so we need to work harder for nations to pass laws in in favorability of the environment. I do think that one criticism that I have, and Ashley kind of touched on this a bit earlier, was he talked about all these, we need to do this, we need to do this, but he hasn't, he didn't give many examples of the policy that he worked toward to pass in the past. And a lot of people in the audience, probably including me, would have liked to um, know some of the examples of things that he's worked on in the past to, you know, push this rule of law that he's talking about and give it some, give his argument some credibility. Again, I do agree with what he's saying, but I think when he's talking about how important rule of law is, it's important 
to talk about the importance of passing the laws and what he's done personally. Yeah, definitely following what Kasha said, um, Ambassador Hiroshi continuously painted this picture of a ray of hope, um, specifically in relation with a scientific and technological development. He was mentioning that we have the capabilities to overwrite and override existing systems. And he even said that we're very close to having a breakthrough in quantum computing and fusion energy, which could be life-changing. And he emphasized that we have to work towards these scientific solutions because they'll bring about sustainability, which is the ability to design a new world that is safe for future generations. And he kept on emphasizing, um, making sure that like you and your children have the same options that you have currently. You know, but of course we have to be cautious because as science and tech develops, new problems arise. And he mentioned the differences of development between high-income countries and low-income countries will only continue to exasperate since these high-income countries can grow exponentially. So it's important that we can unite on a front that delivers science and sustainability to sort of everyone in some way. So kind of relating that back to what Kasha said, even though he's painting this picture of a ray of hope, I do wish he provided more examples as to like exactly what he thinks that ray of hope entails, more specific references to exact types of technology or how we can combat these issues that might arise because of these technological developments. One thing that I think is important to bring up is that he brought up two asks for the new generation, as in the generation of students that came to this event. First was to be a part of the formation of for the future, and second, to be part of developing a scientific approach to decision making. I just want to get your both of your reactions on that, and it's kind of clear to me that President Kuroshi is seeking a transformation in global cooperation. So along with answering that first question on what do you think of his ask to the newer generations, also, do you think he'll be able to achieve a transformation and global cooperation that he's so clearly seeking, or at least started during his tenure as president of the UNGA? Um, I'll come to you first, Ashley, for that. Yeah, so in regards to Ambassador Croce's statement and, you know, asks uh, for the new generation, I kind of had mixed opinions about this call for action statement, honestly. I mean, the first part, obviously, it's very important for every single one of us to get out there and advocate and be a part of this transformation for the future. But in terms of telling us all to be a part of developing a scientific approach to decision making, I was a little wary of that as a humanities major because it kind of struck a chord in regards to the rhetoric against humanities education and stuff like that, especially with the rise of ChatGPT and everything. And I'm not going to lie, science is so huge, and he is completely right that we need to advocate for scientific development as well, because, you know, that will bring revolutionary change. But it is so important to also emphasize at the same time that we still need our historians, our diplomats, and etc. We don't only need scientists. I'm not saying that this is what he was trying to convey or what he meant, but I was just a little worried that he was emphasizing too much on science, I guess, because I think they are both equally as important and as of value. And at the same time, he did admit, as I said before, that there are consequences to tech um, and science where countries struggling will only continue to suffer as the divide grow. So it's important that while we join the forefront for this advocacy, we at the same time are also actively working with law and policy. Um, and as someone who's like feels very passionate towards cyber law and stuff like that, as we grow in the field of science and technology, the lines will only continue to blur more with what is ethical and what is right in relation to this. So at the same time, it is important to study law and policy in relation to technology and science as well. Do you have anything to add or respond to that, Kasha? I had similar feelings about the second part of his statement. I do think it could be worded a bit clearer. 
what he exactly said was to be part of developing a scientific approach to decision making. And I think this could be interpreted in a number of ways. Um, One, how Ashley kind of talked about how he seemed to be advocating more towards like STEM fields and stuff like that. I mean, you can have a scientific approach without being a scientist to something, you know, formatting laws in certain ways that's considered a scientific approach. I mean, here at the School of Diplomacy, we get a bachelor in science. So I do think that he could have been clearer about what he meant by a scientific approach if he was trying to lean more and push people into directly into STEM fields or if he kind of just talked about making more clear decisions and stuff like that. I mean, I do think we can see emerging fields such as like environmental engineering, but also environmental diplomacy emerging. So you can see there's two different sides of the coin going here. And you, I believe, addressed, Drew, how if he would be able to achieve the global cooperation within his tenure. A transformation, yes. Transformation and global cooperation. I believe the UN General Assembly president's tenure is only one year. I do think you can get reelected for this position, but if we were to say, oh, he was just here for one year, I do think it's tough to achieve a global cooperation. I mean, Ashley mentioned the statistic earlier. There's 27 armed conflicts going on in the world today. Most people only know about one or two, to be honest. And I do, while I do think this is a good vision for the future, and I'm not necessarily bashing him for um, wanting to achieve this global cooperation, I don't think it's realistic to complete in one year, maybe even like 10 years. That's something that takes a very long time, especially within the state of the world. However, I do think, again, it would be nice if he emphasized more ways that he's going towards this global cooperation rather than just being like, the youth need to get on to this and everyone needs to get onto this, but more, you know, <laughs> strategic ways to be mapped out. Yeah. I think you bring up multiple good points, Kasha. And that kind of brings us to just a final summarizing question, guys, of what were your personal impressions of uh, President Kuroshi by the end of this address? And did you come out of this event more or less hopeful for the future personally? I think I'll come to you first, Kasha, we'll briefly just summarize your thoughts. I personally did enjoy this panel a lot. Again, it's an honor to have people of such high profile come to our school and speak to us. And I did really enjoy the message of his speech, despite having some criticisms. It's hard for me to sit for an hour and listen to someone as high profile as Ambassador Kuroshi speak and not come out more hopeful for the future personally. There obviously are some criticisms, but I do think it's important to see leaders talk about things that are so heavily emphasized, especially by youth activists. I think the environmental issues, something that's very um, well talked about within like youth protest spaces. And I think all the issues that he addressed, he did well while there are some criticisms, and it did give me hope. Yeah, uh, I honestly agree with what Kasha said. I really thought that Ambassador Kroshi was a captivating figure, and overall he seemed like a very like genuine and passionate guy. He really wanted to bring about this concept of educating the youth and uniting us and bringing us together for a better tomorrow. Um, and I really thought he delivered his address with a genuine attitude. And in regards to feeling uh, more hopeful, 
after coming, uh, after attending this event, um, I actually asked Dean Smith for a quote um, in regards to his reaction to the event. Um, and he said Kiroshi kind of started off with a pessimistic uh, insights, but he triumphed with optimism, conveying this idea that there is a ray of hope. And in reality, we are that ray of hope that he's describing. Um, and ending with that note, I can't say that I didn't come out um, more hopeful because I would say, you know, by the end of the event, he was so passionate about there being hope. So I would say, you know, he kind of instilled a little bit of that hope in all of us through that energy. Um, and I definitely came out a bit hopeful because of that. But still, you know, having um, in hindsight, looking back on all the issues he touched upon, it is a bit worrying. But yeah, in general, I would say that, you know, it was a really good event. And I would say he did really good at raising um, morale in terms of coming together to combat these issues. Well, this has been a great discussion. Ashley Kasha, thank you so much for joining us. Now that is all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew, executive producer Jasmine Delion, associate producers Eric Bunce and Hamza Khan, technical producers Andrew Okulia and Bobby Kyle, and of course, your host, Drew Starbuck. The Global Current is brought to you by Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. And to whoever's listening right now, we are grateful at The Global Current for your support. We may be the crew, but you are the currents that keep the ship afloat. So please follow us wherever you're listening from. Until next time, Drew Starbuck, your host, signing off.